Amen. Here's another superhero, Tim. <laughs> What's happening, Tim? Superman. New series, mainly vision stuff today. Yes, vision stuff. Hopefully, it will be good. Don't don't do your double mic. Um, yes, yeah, so as um, Dave said, is that we're starting in many ways a, a new series, but it's really around a a vision for this year, but also potentially years to come. And uh, I'll explain these trellises and the trellis booklet as time goes on. Uh, but our vision as a church is that we believe Jesus changes everything. And I think that we all have stories of what Jesus has changed in our lives. You know, whether that is when you first got saved and that was a journey for you or it was a moment in time, you know, Jesus has done something in your life. Or whether God has healed you, um, Jesus has done something in your life. Or whether it's a time when you felt rubbish And God has helped you in a day. Or you feel that God has sent someone to you. These are all stories of what God and Jesus, God is Jesus, uh, has done in our life. And these are that we believe that Jesus changed our life. Every day we wake up having hope and faith that actually we will live with a God that can do anything. Nothing is impossible for God. And in many reasons it gives us hope for the day. It gives us strength. And this is our vision, our, pas- uh, our passion, is that we have a message of the good news that Jesus truly does change everything. And as a church, we want to be a church together and a church where we are. So what do I mean by this? Well, church together is, in many ways, our times together, like now, our times when we're in a small group, a life group, uh, when we meet up with each other one-on-one, we want those times to be encouraging. We want those times to be accessible for anyone. We want them to be a launch pad, and we want it to be life-changing. So when we come together as disciples of Jesus Christ, it's actually we come together like this morning and we want those people, you guys and each one of us, to walk away encouraged. We don't want people to walk out of this place thinking that I feel worse off. You know, in many ways you think, oh, that's common sense, Tim. But we want to be intentional, saying actually our our times together, whether it's settings like this or life groups or one-on-one, is actually, I want to encourage you people. But also, I want to bring a life-changing thing to it. So I noticed that our God is a supernatural God. He's a transformational God. He's a God that can do anything. So actually, I want there to be a sense of actually, I want God to speak into your life-changing moment. God can do that. What is God speaking to you? So like this morning, like Dave led us, uh, wowed, and the prophetic, um, the, uh, prophetic word and stuff like that. And, you know, these are life-changing moments. But also we want it to be accessible. You know, like I shared, I think it was last week or a couple of weeks ago, we, we don't want it to be a membership to get in. We don't want it to be hard to come and be part of us. We want people to feel that they want to come part of us and that we can help them on this journey. We never want to be closed, but we want to be open arms. And the last one is that we want it to be a launch pad. That as we meet together, it's like we are equipping and encouraging each other for the rest of the week. You know, we spend an hour and a half here. Well, an hour and a half service, and depending how um, committed you are. No, joking. No, but 
you know, we spend longer. And actually, that is a very small amount of time compared to how much time, if I can say, you spend in the world as such. So we want these times to be like equipping, to equip you, to say actually, you know, it's ready for another week. Sunday was known as like the first day of the week, wasn't it? For us now, often we think it was the last day of the week, uh, but Sunday's like the first. So actually it's like, I'm ready for another week where God has called me to be. So our church together moments, and you could say, well, we do some of this stuff already, and we do. But it's been intentional and prioritizing the things God has called for us. So these moments together, we want each one of us to walk away feeling encouraged and strengthened. We want each one of us to have a life-changing moment. And that could be a conversation with someone where someone just speaks into your life. That could be a, 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 you know, something powerful, a prophetic word, or something like that. You've been healed. You know, we, we don't want to forget the supernatural, life-changing moment. We want it to be accessible. We never want to have closed doors. We always want the front doors to be wide open and say, come and be part of us. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what your present or your past is. You know, we accept you. Come and, come and find out more about Jesus. And we want it to be a launch pad. And then there's this bit of church where we are. This whole thing of we don't believe that the church is the building, do we? We believe it's the people. But often we can get into things that church is the building. Church is a certain meeting. But church is us. And we want to take note that every single one of us, God has given us a, a mandate you know, whether you are a grandparent or a parent, whether you are, um, you know, a carer, a binman, working in an office, working in a school, working in a hospital, you know, that these are the things God has called you. Whether you've got a heart for a certain hobby, uh, these are the things God has made you to be. And therefore, we want to say, actually, we want to equip you for those times. We want you to be church there and take notice, actually, those things are important. So we want to prize our time together, and also prize, actually, it's important. Where you're, what you're going to do tomorrow morning is important. Just as much as important as being here today. Because these are the things God has given to you. The neighbours God has called you to live next to. The children, the grandparents, the brother and the sister that you are. These are all important, the work people. This is what God has called you to do. So we are a church together and church where you are. And I'll be explaining a bit more um, over the next few weeks about that. But the booklet that Vicky shared this morning, this shows us some key ways of how we can apply this to our lives. See, as believers, as disciples of Jesus Christ, we want to be full of love, joy, and peace of Jesus. We want to experience life to the fullness. And we want to do everything God has called us to do. But this is the fact. We sometimes make choices because of who we are. But other times of who we wish to become. This crucial insight that how we live our daily lives shapes who we become. How you live your daily life shapes who you become. It's your daily lives. It isn't just one moment. It's your daily life shapes who you become. 
And so we have these, in many ways, these five areas that we encourage everyone in this church to adopt so that we can achieve the vision and the mission God has given us. And these five areas include this. Number one is that we're disciples of Jesus. Each one of us, if we follow, believe in Jesus, we are a disciple of Jesus. Often, uh, we don't like to use the word disciple. Or we may do in some situations. We say we're a Christian. But actually, in the Bible, the word Christian is only used a few times, three or four times. But the word disciple is used hundreds of times. A disciple shows that you're going to learn. It's a growing, it's an apprentice, it's a, it's a lifelong journey of being a disciple. We don't stop being a disciple of Jesus. The second one is an unhurried life. Jesus, he, he lived a busy life, but he was never in a hurry. I remember the story when uh, someone comes up to him, they say, this young girl is dying, and, and they say, come, come quickly, you need to save her, Jesus. And Jesus says, I will come. He doesn't come straight away. And actually, it takes him two days to get there. And you could think, well, Jesus is being a bit slow on that point. But actually, he fully trusted the Father God in that situation. He, he, didn't, he, did not, he didn't put it off. He didn't think, I don't want to do that. But he said, well, I'm here right now, and I'll go to that bit. And this thing of actually, we do live busy lives. We do live hectic lives. But I think we don't need to live an unhurried life. And the unhurried life is about being present to God. It's about being present to the moment. It's about enjoying the things that we're doing right now. I'm fully present to you guys right now. I'm not thinking about anything or anyone else. I'm not thinking about what I'm going to do tomorrow. I'm not thinking about drawing, crash. I'm thinking about you guys. I want to be present to you. And just a, sh- a short testimony to that. About six months ago, I felt God convict me to go off Facebook. And uh, I've got nothing against Facebook, and you can go on Facebook. I don't mind. It's up to you. But I've personally, I felt God convict me off Facebook because... I was spending most of my time on Facebook. It wasn't sitting in the evenings going on there for hours. It was the transitional moment. So I would go to like a doctor's or dentist and uh, I would book in and sit down and I would quickly get my phone out and go on Facebook, a transitional moment, and wait for my call. And then I felt God say, well, why are you doing that? When you could spend so much time thinking about other things and thinking about the people around you, and so now I'm off Facebook, and, uh, and now I sit there, and I, I think about the conversations I could have. I think about the things, the people I could have. So I was on the bus yesterday, and uh, great time. I could easily, I could have drove, well, actually, I couldn't drove because I hadn't got the car. But I was on the bus, and I spoke to two ladies uh, for half an hour each way. And it's about being present And that was just God's conviction over my life that if you do that, if you take away having those transitional moments, you could spend so much more time being present to me and having opportunities to Jesus. That was my, in many ways, transitional distraction. And there might be things in your life, something like that or very similar or something different, that actually, how can I unhurry my life so I'd be present to God the moment and to be able to see everything God has called me to do? I'll be explaining more. The other one is living in community. We recognize it's 
that we need to be in this together. That Christianity was never um, to, to, to do on your own. God has never called you to, um, this is that message not for you, but you know, he's never called you to stay at home on a Sunday or another day and just think, I'll just, you know, I'll just get my iPad and I'll watch the service on the screen and I'll do that next week and I'll do it the week after and I'll do it the week after. You know, some people do that, especially maybe in America, but people, it's coming over here much more. I can do, you know, God called us to be in community, to make an effort to be together. He says in uh, Hebrews, don't forsake meeting together. Because actually in community, as I said, we, we encourage one another, we pray for one another, we bless one another. It's where you get strengthened. It might feel like in the moment, oh, you know, it's cold, it's wet and windy, I'll stay in bed today. But actually, long term, we're better together. Last one is life-giving relationships. This whole thing is actually, you know, we spend all of our lives with people. Well, most of our lives, except for going to the toilet. But, you know, we spend a lot of our lives with people, don't we? And actually, we want to be people that speaks life into people. We, like I said, we want to encourage one another. We want, to, we want to say, how can I help this person? How can I care for the things that you do and you be? Like, for example, for Dave, you know, speaking to him this morning, I, I don't just want to know, just talk about what I can get out of Dave in terms of a Sunday morning service. Not a bit weird, but you know what I mean. I don't want to say, Dave, if you've got the plan, if you've got the plan, if you've got the plan, Dave, you know, you know that I'm speaking today, Dave. Uh, you know, I want to say, well, wh- how's your life going, Dave? You know, what, what is work going like? What's family life going like? What's your struggles? What's your good things that are going on in your life? And actually, I want to give life to Dave. I don't want to suck the whole life out of Dave. So every time I be with him, he's thinking, oh, Tim's going to suck my life out again, my energy out again. I want to give life to him. Everyone's been around those people. They're, they're, they suck the life out of you, don't they? But I want to give life to Dave. I want to give, actually, I want to speak words of life and truth and Jesus Christ into him but not just for all of us. I want to do it to people that don't yet know Jesus. I want to see how God sees them. So we're going to have these five areas that we encourage you, and we're going to be speaking more over the prayer week and also uh, the weeks and months to come, but these five areas to achieve what I believe that God has for us as a vision and mission. And we want to encourage you all to adopt them. To grow as disciples of Jesus Christ. To live an unhurried life. To live in community. To adopt the practice of church round the table. I forgot the church round the table one, didn't I? I've just realized that. Thank you, everyone. You, you got up there. You're like, oh, yeah. Uh, the church round the table. Um, the church round the table one is this whole thing of, is actually Jesus did a lot of his ministry around a table. Whether that is at your home, whether that's at a coffee shop, whatever that looks like. He did it around eating and drinking. He did it with his disciples. He did it with the people that didn't even believe in him. Sinners, tax collectors, the worst of the worst. He did it with his neighbors. And actually, when you gather around a table, uh, whether it's with your family or with friends, there's a strengthening of relationship. There's a deepness of relationship. And actually, we notice actually there's some really important times comes around the table to be able to uh, just sit there and just talk about life. 
And actually, if we adopt more of that in our, in our families, in our, uh, in our church community here, but also our community and the hobbies and the things that pe- inviting people over, we will see more opportunities uh, to encourage one another, but also to see gospel impact. And something so small can have a big impact. I'll explain more of that. So our desire is that this vision will be outworked in our everyday life. So that this will be a church together and a church where we are. But I believe this vision, our vine will thrive and you will bear much fruit. So you will live the life God has called you to live and become the person you deep down desire inside. And to fulfill all your God-given passions and dreams. If you have a Bible, turn with me to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. And actually, we're going to see a little video about John chapter 15 in a moment as well. See, this is, this is our goal. is that you, as an individual, and myself, will thrive in life. Is that we will be fruitful in life. Who's up for that? Who wants a thriving and fruitful life? I do. See, it's my desire that every single one of us be the people God has called us to be and do the things God has called us to do. I want you guys to have a full life. I want you to get the most out of life. I want you to thrive and bear fruit. I want you to love life. Let's play this video from John chapter 15. You can follow it in your Bibles as well.
So that is the uh, exact words from John chapter 15, the first part of it. But this key sentence of, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. John 15, 5. See, Jesus, he wants us to be fruitful in our lives. Full stop. This is not my words. This is Jesus' words. He wants you to be fruitful. Jesus says, I am the vine and you, ye are the branches. Together, one tree and possessed by one common life. See, the stump does not bear fruit, but only the branches. The branches can't live without the stump, though. Therefore, it follows the one needful thing to bear fruit, to be fruitful, is to abide in Jesus. And he is in us. The life of the vine flow into the branch. He, Jesus, is the vine, and each one of us are the branches. If we abide in him, and therefore he abides in us, if we will bear much fruit, and apart from him, he, we can do nothing. Who wants a fruitful life? I'll be there to sign up for that one. See, in John, in the beginning, uh, in John 13, Jesus gives a series of farewell addresses, and he runs this up to John chapter 17. And just before this, John 15, Jesus has met with his disciples in the Last Supper, the Passover meal. So in many ways, he's starting his countdown to dying. And I don't know about you, but if I was with someone who's dying, or if I was dying myself, and it, I know that these were going to be my last words, I want to share something significant with them. I want to say, I love you, and I'm so thankful you're part of my life. And just, you know, if I was dying, I was sharing, so I'd say, but like, just keep hold of the message of Jesus. I just want to keep encouraging you. I'm not going to be here, but just keep going in Jesus. You know, we would do likewise, and Jesus is doing this. These are his last, some of his last words. He's had his last supper, and now he's saying that this is some of the most important things you can do in your life. And this is it. These words, they're meaningful, they're powerful. They're words that he wants to encourage you. That if you remain in me, I will be in you and you will be fruitful. The purpose of a branch is to bear fruit. But what is the fruit? That's the question, right? What is the fruit? Well, actually, if you follow this chapter on John chapter 15, this is what it says. There's some fruit. For example, here we go. So verse 10 says obedience to Jesus' command. So if you, one of your bearing fruit is that you will want to be obedient to Jesus. Number two, experience of Jesus' joy and peace. Number three, love for one another and a witness to this world. And you could probably, if you looked at the Bible, you could make it a bit more bigger. But from, specifically from this chapter, these are the four things you get. Our fruit, if we abide in Jesus, we will desire to be obedient to Jesus. If we abide in Jesus, we'll have joy and peace. If we abide in Jesus, we want to love people. 
If we abide in Jesus, we will naturally be a witness to the world. This is the fruit. It's a heavenly perspective. It's not an earthly perspective of fruit. The earthly perspective, if you had someone who's uh, thinking about what is a fruitful life, uh, maybe someone in your workplace or a neighbor, they would be like, well, I want a healthy family. I want good relationships with my family. They would probably say something like, oh, I want to be able to go on holidays. I, want, I, want a good, I don't want to worry about money. I, I don't want all these things. But, but a heavenly perspective of what fruit is, is that you want to obey Jesus. You want to follow his commands. You want to experience the joy and peace. You want to love one another. You want to be a witness to this world. See, the fruit is nothing less than the outcome of dependence upon the vine, driven by faith, embracing the disciples' life. See, this verse, it says, Jesus says, you will bear much fruit, Abundant fruit, if you read it in another translation. See, fruit is a metaphor of something that is going to add profit to your life. This is going to be better for your life. You're going to have abundant. It didn't say um, you will have some moldy fruit. You know, you know that if you ever had some moldy fruit, I have before. You know, it's not nice. It makes you ill. You know, you know or, or you're going to have some fruit every five to ten years. But the promise is that you will have abundant or much fruit for years and years to come. But this is where it gets hard, and I suppose it's a challenging bit. Is that fruit sometimes can go moldy. The branch withers. And it can break off from the stump or from the, the vine. Sounds a bit like my garden, actually. See, it's, it's easy to become complacent in life and in our relationship with Jesus. See, we get this is what life is about. And we say that negatively and positively. We just go through the emotions and we become complacent in abiding. This is what I know abiding is. And your branch starts to not bear fruit because it's not abiding. I wonder, are you abiding today? You might be thinking, well, what does abiding mean? What I would say, well, what is God doing in your life? What is he saying to you at the moment? Because these are all the, the things to show that you're abiding because there's, a, there's an active relationship. There's an active thing going on. It's not complacent. It's not stale. Uh, it's, it's, it's not having moldy fruit. But actually, what is God talking to you? What is he doing in your life today? See, we can easily settle into what we know about God and about Jesus. And we, we, we spend many years growing as disciples and then we, we just come quite stale and we settle. But actually, the abiding is about staying. Every one of us desires a full life, don't we? Not tired, not burdensome, not heartache, not a crushed life, but a full life. And Jesus says, if we want that life, we've got to abide in him. If you abide in me, you would experience and bear this life. You will bear much fruit. 
See, the word abide, it comes from this thing of being present. Like I was saying earlier, it's about being present. Have you ever chatted to someone and you don't feel like you've got their full drawn attention? They quickly, they're checking their watch every minute because they know they've got to be somewhere. Maybe we've all done it. Where they're getting their phone out. Or, or, or you've spoken to someone on the phone before and you know they're doing something else. I've had that many times. You're speaking to someone, you can tell they're doing something else. They're like, what did you say again? And it's like, it's like you're, you're, you're there with them or you're speaking to them, but they're not present with you. They, have, you haven't, got, they haven't got your full drawn attention. And I wonder if sometimes in our relationship with Jesus, we do likewise. Is that, yes, we are there with Jesus. We want to abide, but he hasn't got our full drawn attention. He hasn't got everything of our lives. He's not the central piece to our lives, bringing everything else together. We're not abiding. Historically, when followers of Jesus wanted to commit their lives to discipleship, they created something called a rule of life. And don't get put off by this word rule. You know, because when we think of rule, R-U-L-E, by the way, we think of religion, we think of things like, I have to do this. But in the Latin, it translates regula, which we get our word regular from and a rule of life helped disciples intentionally choose regular habits to live their lives by a rule meant a schedule set of practices to your life that you will commit your life around Jesus around abiding Jesus it was a way of life into what really matters a relationship with God, our family, our community, the work God has set before us and a healthy soul. See, often a, a metaphor that was used for this was like a trellis. And this is why I've got two trellises here today. See, a trellis is there so when you plant a vine, it will help structure it. Because if you just plant a trellis, I'm no gardener, but from my understanding, is that if you plant a trellis, a trellis, a vine, it's just not going to, you can sort of plant a trellis. You know, if you plant a vine, it's just not going to work unless you've got a trellis. You know, it would just flow out. But actually the best vines, they grow up and then they bear much fruit. And in many ways, a trellis is a structure, a platform, so a vine can grow and thrive and bear much fruit. And the things I was talking about earlier, the the unhurried life, the disciples, that is in many ways our structure and trellis so that you and we as a church, therefore, can grow and thrive. It would be to order our lives around abiding in Jesus and his presence. The trellis is a structure, so you've got a structure to your life to be able to say, this is what I do, and so that my vine, the vine will grow and that I will bear much fruit. A trellis helps a vine grow into the right direction, becoming stronger and produce lots, lots of fruit or grapes. For a vine to grow and thrive and bear fruit, it needs a trellis. 
In the same way, we need a trellis to our lives, a structure, a rule of life as such, so that we can have a regular habit, so that we will grow as individuals, but also therefore we will grow as a church as well. What a trellis is to a vine, a rule of life is to abiding in Jesus. The whole key of a joy-filled, spirit-saturated disciple of Jesus is this, is to abide in Jesus. How do we abide? What I believe is about having, in many ways, a rule of life is having a trellis, something that we order our lives by so that we've got a structure, a platform to say, actually, I do these things. So, for example, what we're trying to encourage for us to adopt and we feel God's got for us is actually we're saying, actually, my discipleship to Jesus is really important. Disciple, I want to grow. I want to be an apprentice. I want to follow Jesus. I was speaking to Becky. Becky's at work, by the way. But um, I was speaking to Becky this week and she, writes, she tells people at work she's a Christian and their understanding of a Christian is someone who believes in God and goes to church and that is their level of understanding. If you tell them you're a disciple, they're like, what is that? Well, I believe I follow Jesus and I want to follow his ways. I want to follow his life. I want to do what he does. I want to speak the words he speaks. And then they start to think, oh, I get it now. But their level of Christianity, understand what a word Christian means, is literally probably rules and regulations. It's probably a choir and, uh, you know, you go to church and you believe in God. But we want to be disciples. We want to just grow in our relationship. You know, we've got to grow. And this is, in many ways, it's, t- it, you know, it's still like 100 years old. Till you're 100. But also we want an unhurried life. We don't want to be 100 miles an hour when I should be going 70 miles an hour down the motorway. There's a reason why you shouldn't be going 100. Because if there is a crash, you're more likely to live at 70 and 100, apparently. That's the reason. And it's the same thing for us. God doesn't want us 100 miles an hour. He wants us to go at the right pace so we go on. And so we can be present to him and we can be present to the moment. We can be with our family. I want to be fully present with my family. And I want to hear what God has got to say. And it's also about living in community. I want to live. This is the the trellis. We want to live in community. We, We notice actually together we are better. Together these moments are important. They're significant as part of our journey as disciples. Church round the table. We want, to, we want to adopt this. Actually, I want to be able to have meals with my family, with my friends from church. I want to invite my neighbours over. And then maybe in a year or two years' time, I can tell them about Jesus whenever I pluck up the courage as such. You know what I mean? But I want to see this as important. That It's not just about going to a big church event, but inviting my friends over or neighbours over. I've, that's a good use of my time. The other one, healthy relationships, life-giving relationships. We're giving into it. These are the, the trellis we're trying to uh, encourage and adopt that actually this will see us bear much fruit and this will see, therefore, us as a church bear much fruit. You might be thinking, well, what does this, how does this affect my life? Because if we, if we abide in Jesus and for some amazing reason, we start to become patient. 
The amazing reason is the work of Jesus in our life, obviously. But we become patient, and then we're at work, and something doesn't go well, and everyone else is like stressing, everyone else is like dissing the manager, you know, we've all been there. You know, they're saying, it's his fault, it's his fault, you know, you're in the staff room, you're complaining, but you're just sitting there all patient, and they're like, you know, you seem a bit calm and patient about the situation, and then you could get an opportunity. And it's like a win-win situation. It's like God has put more patience in you. And also, you get an opportunity to explain your patience. And this is just basically because you've been abiding in Jesus. You haven't done anything amazing. It's a win-win situation. I've got a branch here. This is from my olive tree. <laughs> Hasn't got any olives at the moment. But do you think that if, like, if we came together, we could make this produce some olives? Do you think we could do that? Maybe if we tried harder, we could, like, you know, come on. Dave, can you try? No, don't worry. But, you know, do you think maybe we could, no, um, you know, no, no. You know, this, what this needs to produce fruit is to abide in the stump. It needs to be a part of something. You know, let's be, at the end of the day, you're not going to produce fruit in my life. It's only going to be Jesus. You know, I need you. I need you around me. Don't get me wrong. But this big thing is that you abide in Jesus. I've got an idea, actually. Has anyone got a salad table or an apple? I could, or an olive. I could sellotape something and maybe we could make it look like I'm producing some fruit. No, 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 it's not going to work. But, but we need for us to grow. We, we need to abide because I could take this off my olive tree and I could just pluck it in the ground and just hope that would work on its own. It's probably not going to work, is it? Let's be honest. You know, but we, the, the key thing is, is to abide in Jesus. You know, we don't need to, in many ways, stress out and thinking, you know, we don't need to look at this person or this church that do incredible things. You know, we go on Facebook. We don't need to do that because actually the important thing is that I abide in Jesus. You know, I was praying this week and I just felt God convict me and said, you know, get praying. Tim, just pray now. Forget about the sermon. Just pray now because you need to abide in Jesus. That's the important thing. You need to abide in Jesus. You need to be doing this me and you. It's our relationship. It's not like our relationship via the church or via my wife or via my brother or my work colleagues. No, no, no. It's, it's my relationship with Jesus. And if I abide in Jesus, I will bear much fruit for everything God has called me to do. And that's the most significant thing. If I abide in Jesus, I will want to follow his commands. If I abide in Jesus, I'll have more peace and joy. If I abide in Jesus, I will be a witness to the world. If I abide in Jesus, I've forgotten the third one. Does anyone know the third one? John chapter 10. I have love for one another. And these are the things about abiding in Jesus. Are you abiding? Is Jesus a central focus in your life? Because, because this is the thing. I, I want myself, I want you guys to bear much fruit. I want you to have the best life ever. There's no doubt in my mind about that. And the one thing the Bible says is to abide in Jesus. So if I can encourage you and challenge you to don't stop abiding because Satan wants you not to abide. 
and the world looks to abide in other places, by the way. They abide in doing more holidays. They abide by exploring their sexuality. Where can I find my purpose and meaning? I'm going to abide by, you know, I'll do more work so I get more money. Because they're abiding in other places. They never get fully fulfilled and they never find their true purpose and meaning in life because they're abiding in the wrong things. They're not abiding in Jesus. And Satan is like throwing things at us and say, if you just do this or look at this or maybe you work harder at work and you get more money, you'll feel better about yourself. That will make you abide more. No, no, no. The only thing that's going to make us abide more is to abide in Jesus as such. So that we can grow. Have you ever read anyone on their tombstone, you know, and said like, loved life? Maybe they have. You know, I've got so much money. So much money. I've never. But what they do take to count is the most important things in life. And that is Jesus and people. And I think that is the thing for Jesus. It is mostly about Jesus, but it's also about the people around us because that's what God has called us to do. If you want to abide this morning, you've got to, if you want to bear much fruit, sorry, you've got to abide in Jesus. You've got to be present to Jesus. You've got to give him your all. And you might be thinking, well, how, how do I abide as such? Well, I think part of it is to get in that trellis in your life to order things. So, the, 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 so when you grow, you grow, you grow, the branches will grow. We're doing it together. And then say if like a stormy day comes today, I'm not going to shake this too much because it will actually break. But imagine it didn't break. You know, it shakes, but you're still bearing fruit because things in life are happen, happening, but your abiding is not stopping. You're still carrying on bearing fruit and that's the thing, like when storms come, we think that actually life stops. Life doesn't stop. You're still growing and bearing fruit. And God knows the whole plan. Abiding is the most important thing we can do. And as a church, going forwards, we want to encourage you to adopt a trellis in your life, a structure, a way to order your life, healthy, godly habits, so that you can grow and bear much fruit. And therefore, because I know that abiding, we will bear fruit. Therefore, I know the church will bear fruit. In terms of verses of corporate cool being, we will see things happen. But the key thing is abiding in Jesus. And it's focusing on Jesus, not other things that are going around us, not other people, not other church things. You know, it's good to take notice of that. I'm not saying that, but to get down in the dumps about, no, 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 we are going to abide in Jesus. So I want to encourage you and challenge you to abide in Jesus. And one of the things we're going to be doing over prayer week is that we want to, uh, we're going to give you all leaves. There's a load of fake leaves at the back. And we want to ask you to write your name down on one of those. And you can take five or six. We've got 400 of them. Um, it's a lot, I know. Uh, you, you can write your name on it. And then you might want to write someone's name, uh, like a neighbor or your, your brother or your sister, someone that is in your life. In many ways, church where you are, where God has called you to be. Or it could be a group of people. It could be that you're part of a, a windsurfing club. So you're going to put, you know, poor windsurfing club. 
And then next Sunday, we're going to bring them and we're going to stick them to the trellis because we want to build this up. This is part of us. So there's like 400 leaves, take a whole load, write. So I'm going to write on one of them, me, because I want to grow and bear fruit. And then I might write on them, uh, my next door neighbor, Emily and Joel. Um, yeah, his name's Joel as well. And, uh, and, then, and then I might write some other people that I'm involved in. Uh, and it doesn't have to be people that don't yet know Jesus. It could be people that do know Jesus, but you want to see them. Grow. They're people you're called to be part of. And we're going to put them and stick them on this trellis to actually say, we're praying into these things because these are the people that are part of our lives. And I think we can easily get to 400 people, by the way. Easily. I hope that we all know eight people or six, seven people, whatever, six people, whatever. You know, and then we're going to stick them uh, to it next Sunday. So I want to encourage you, take some leaves, uh, write names down, bring them back next Sunday. And over the course of this prayer week, uh, as Vicky's already explained, we're going to have these booklets ready. It's going to explain a lot more about all this stuff. And we're going to be praying into this. So like week one, uh, tomorrow evening, we're going to be praying for our times together. And we're going to be praying for the new service that's happening on the moor. So we'll be praying for our times together and the new service. So tomorrow we're going to come together and pray that actually when we're together, they'll be encouraging, they'll be life-changing. At Bob and Jane's on Tuesday, uh, we're going to be praying for the things that are affecting you, church where you are. And we're going to be praying for our own walk with Jesus. Uh, on Wednesday at St. Peter's, we're going to be praying for uh, us as a people group. We're going to be praying for each other, whether you need healings or provisions or God encounters. We want to pray for our church family. On Thursday, it's going to be about the unhurried life. We're going to give you opportunities to hear from God. And we want to pray for each one of us uh, that in our hectic and busy lives, we, we be able to unhurry it somehow. And we've got the young people join us. Around. And then on Saturday at the prayer breakfast, it's all about church around the table. We're going to be looking at different settings. Jesus did um, ministry in church around the table. And we're going to be praying for our family and our community and the different things uh, there as well. They're all on the piece of paper at the back, by the way. But this is an opportunity. Actually, we want to see our lives grow and bear fruit. And I think you, we would all be up there for saying, I want to bear fruit. I know I would. But it's the first thing is to abide. And if you get anything out of this message today, it's this. Don't stop abiding in Jesus. Go home and ask, say to Jesus, I want to abide in you all the days of my life. Help me to do that. That's what it's about. You know, I've only been pastoring, leading, whatever you want to do it. You know, not for many years, and I pray I've got many years ahead of me, but I know too many people that have stopped abiding. And in that scripture, it talks about them going into the fire. You saw it on the video. And it is so sad. People that are loving people, they're good people. There's nothing wrong with them. They're, and they've got gifts, you know, and they've got great families. And they stop abiding. Don't let that be you. Because I can pretty much guarantee you, you will regret it. If it's this, not this side of life, it's the other side. 
don't stop abiding in Jesus because that is the most important thing so that we can be fruitful and you can live the life that you deep inside down want to live and it's in you and it's going to explode out of you because you are fully committed to abiding in Jesus. Let's pray.